series called Unlocking the Music Vault. And in this series, we are. We're talking about things in our lives, issues in our lives, some that we create, some that are just the results of the broken world that we live in, that just kind of land in our laps. And we're talking about what, what would happen, right? What would happen if we could, if there was just was a way where we could kind of crack that vault door open and allow God to be able to come in and start to bring some, some healing and some help and, and maybe some hope to those areas in our lives. And so uh, I love that Trey and the band, uh, what an incredible job they did with, with Tempted, right? I mean, that is just a perfect setup. It really was. It was it was just saucy, right? It was so good. Uh, and so, so we are, we're talking about temptation today. Now, I was, uh, I was very tempted to wear my jersey today. Some of you need Jesus really, really bad. That's just, that's just, there's no need for that, for booing. That's just, that's harsh. But I didn't wear it. I, I didn't wear it for a reason, and, and that's this, is that I just didn't think there was going to be enough time to explain to Panther fans what it feels like to win a Super Bowl. And so I just, we just didn't have time to do that. But in case you're wondering, I did bring my deflated Bible. It's easier for me to hold. And so, uh, so we're all, we're all good there. Um, okay. Here's a question for you. I got a question, right? What's your greatest temptation? Just start thinking about it. Start thinking about that for a second, right? What's, what's your greatest temptation? If you're anything like me, you're already beyond one, right? You're on a list now. The list is kind of forming and growing. If you're struggling with coming up with a temptation, let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, for some of us, maybe it's lying, right? For some, maybe. Right? For some of us, it's just a little, little white lies, right? We only tell them once in a while, maybe when we're, we just don't like conflict, right? So if I could just lie to maybe get out of some conflict or, or when, I'm, when I'm wrestling with my insecurities, just a, a little lie here or there, right? Just kind of gets me, gets me through, kind of covers things up. For some of us, we lie to cover up other lies, right? In fact, there, there's so much, there's so many lies in our world. Sometimes it, it's hard to distinguish between the lies and the truth, and they just kind of seem to, to blur together. For some of us, many, probably quite honestly, uh, many of us have eating issues. For some, we, we, we may say that we would wrestle with overeating. For some of us, we would say we're addicted to things like maybe sugar or caffeine or uh, potato chips, right? For, for some of us, it's serious. We, we have a, an eating disorder. For some of us, we would say that we're tempted by overspending, right? There's just this thing in our lives. We know that we don't need anything else. We shouldn't buy anything else. But when I see a sales sign, everything in my brain, right, like short circuits, and, and, I, and I buy it, and I tell myself that I saved money, and I tell my spouse that I saved money. But the reality is, is that I, I probably overspent on something that I really didn't need with money that I, I probably didn't have. For some of us, maybe it's a, it's a substance. It's had a, a grip on our lives. For some of us, maybe just for a few weeks, for some of us a few months, for some of us a few years, or even a few decades. Whether it, it comes from a bottle, or whether it's something that you smoke, or, or something that you shoot. Something that just, it just seems to have a power over you. You just, you just can't seem to resist it when, when that urge and that temptation comes back along. For some of us, some of us it's, it's lust. And in fact, According to studies and statistics, that would be a, a big percentage of us sitting in this room would wrestle with this. And, and in fact, it's such a big deal that Mike's going to talk about it in a couple weeks. We decided this is one of those topics in this series that we need, to, we need to spend some time talking about because it's something that so many of us deal with. Some of you are, are tempted to criticize. You, you think that criticism is a spiritual gift. It's not, um, no matter how good you are at it. It's, just, it's not, right? But you've already found 14 things wrong with this service in my outfit already, right? We're like halfway into it, and you're already like, you're just there for some of us. Some of us, it might be gambling, right? That can play out in all kinds of different ways. Some of us, this one's it's just as innocent as it might seem. It could be your cell phone or, or social media, right? That, that you just, you can't, 
You can't even have a conversation with somebody without having that thing like six inches from your face. We went to dinner on Friday night to celebrate a friend's birthday, and, and we walked into the restaurant, this table sitting next to us. There were four guys there, and all of them, their phones were like right here. And I don't think they were texting each other. They just all had their phones right in front of their, their faces. Right? The problem is, is it doesn't seem like a big deal, but we don't realize what it's, what it's robbing in our lives. It's impacting intimate relationships from us because, because it's really just kind of stolen our attention and we don't, even, we don't even recognize it. Some of you, some of you are going to kick back today and you're like, I sure hope so-and-so is here to hear this message, right? Because they need, their life is jacked up, right? I don't struggle with temptation, right? I don't make any mistakes in my life. Well, Mike's going to be talking about pride in a couple weeks too. So we've got you covered as well if that's, if that's where, where you are. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell them what your greatest temptation is. I'm just kidding. Don't do that, right? So we were like, oh, I'm out of here, right? We're not, we're not playing that game, right? Just, just relax, right? Yeah, not, it'd be fun, but we're not going to do that. Because here's the, here's the reality. The reality is this. The temptation is something, it's something that we all face, right? If we're honest, we lock it up in the vaults of our lives because we want to hide it from others. We don't want others to see that area in our lives. We don't want to, them to see that vulnerability, that, that, that struggle, that weakness that we have. In fact, most of us, if we're honest, we've become experts at looking good on the outside. Meanwhile, there's all kinds of stuff inside that's just eating our lunch, right? It's just destroying us from the, from the inside out. Here's a, a working definition of, of temptation. I, I love this. This is from Craig Rochelle. He's another pastor. And he said this, It is anything that promises satisfaction at a cost of obedience to God. Anything that promises satisfaction, right? Anything that says, you're going to like this. This is going to feel really good. Right? This, this is going to be great. This is, you need this, and you're like, you deserve it. Anything that promises satisfaction, but it's, it's at a cost of obedience to God. It's going to impact your relationship with God if you say yes to that temptation. It's going to impact your relationship with your family as a result. It's going to impact your friends. It's going to impact your, your coworkers. It's going to damage your reputation. It's, it's, going, to, it's going to have a, a, a serious impact on your future, on your character. Anything that, that promises satisfaction, but is at a cost of obedience to God. See, scientists tell us that whenever we give in to temptation, whatever that temptation is, that there's a chemical in our brains that's released called, called dopamine. And when dopamine is released, it gives us this little, this little high, right? This little thrill, this little, this little buzz. And so when we walk through a store and we see something, right, and we're like, oh, I want that, right? And we just, we, we need to purchase it. We, we look at something and we want to take a, a second look at it. There's something that you want to say because you know it's going to feel so good to say it. And your brain, it, it rewards you. You get this little shot of dopamine, this, this little high, this little feel good, this little moment of satisfaction, right? We all know that moment of satisfaction when we give in to temptation. The problem is, is that immediately following that moment of satisfaction comes the, I wish I hadn't done that. I shouldn't have done that. There's going to be consequences now because of that. And as a result, then we, we feel bad. And, and then the guilt and the regret and the shame set in. You see, we end up in this temptation cycle. And, and, and here's how it goes. I want it, and I can justify why I deserve it or why I need it in my life. And so then I get it, and then immediately I regret it. And the, the crazy part with temptation is that it doesn't stick around, right? It'll go away for a little while, but it'll come back. It may be a few minutes later, it may be a few weeks later, but, but that temptation will come back, right? And all of a sudden, you want it again. And you remember regretting it last time, but all of a sudden, there's that need. I deserve it. I need it. It's going to feel good. There will be a reward that comes with it, and so we get it, and then we regret it. 
right? But now we regret it even more because we've done it twice. And then all of a sudden we start to feel like a failure. We start to feel like there's no way I'm ever going to control this thing. In fact, this thing now has a control over me and I'll never be able to say no to it. Let me give you five truths about temptation uh, from the Bible. Here's the, here's the first one. It's not a sin to be tempted. Being tempted is not the same as sinning. For example, eating a donut is not a sin. Can I get an amen on that? Can I get is something? Uh, somebody. Some, some of you just took notes for the very first time ever in church. You're like, the best church ever. It's not a sin to eat a donut, right? But imagine, right, imagine some of us, some of us maybe for our New Year's resolution, we decided we were going to eat healthy this year. And so one of the things we were going to cut out was donuts, right? But you walk into work this weekend and you walk by a table and sitting on the table is a, a dozen chocolate glazed donuts, right? And as you walk by those donuts, they call out to you. They say, eat me, I'm chocolatey, right? And does anybody else hear donut voices or is it just me? They talk to me, I swear, I can, I can understand them, right? And so you, you, you want one, right? But you don't want one because you're eating healthy, but you want one really badly, right? And so you look, and you look away, right? But you, you, you look back to see, is it still there? Oh, it is, right? You, you look away, you look back. Now, if you just look, right, you, don't, you didn't take anything. You, you didn't sin. It's not a sin to be tempted. Now, if you pick it up and, and smell it, is that a sin? I, I, I don't know. It's getting a little technical for me. If you lick the chocolate icing off, I'm pretty sure you've crossed the line, right, at, at that point. And I think, but, but here's the point, right? The point is this. It's not a sin to be tempted. In fact, some of you may be, may be comforted by the fact that, that Jesus was tempted just like we are. Look at this verse in, in Hebrews 4.15. It says this. For we did not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one, talking about Jesus, who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. There's so much to this, right? That, that there's, I can take comfort in the fact, there's some assurance for me, that Jesus understands what it's like to be tempted. Right? That God can relate to me. When I'm in the middle of that temptation, sometimes it's easy to think, oh, no, no one else understands. God, God can't understand. But it says that he's been tempted in every way just like us. But here's the cool part. But he did not sin, which means that being tempted isn't a sin. Here's the second truth. When it comes to temptation, you're not alone. I know sometimes we feel that way, right? I'm, I'm the only one that struggles with this. You're not. You're not. Whatever your thing or, or things are that you struggle with, I promise you are not the only one. In fact, here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. As a matter of fact, as you grow closer to God, right, the, the, the closer you get to him, the more you're going to be tempted in your life. It's just a fact. It's just the way that it works. In fact, this goes all the way back to the very beginning of time with Adam and Eve, right? Just a couple chapters into creation, and the temptation shows up, and it's there. We all face it. Here's the third truth. Temptation goes wherever we go. This one's, this one's important, because I hear people talk about this a lot. If there was just a way where we could, like, all retreat to, like, a village in the woods, right, or, or something like that, if we could just get away, if we could live separated from the bad things and the bad influences, if I could be separated from everything secular in my life. And, and I'm not saying that that's a, that's a bad thing, but the reality is, is that all you're doing is you're avoiding the problem. You're really not escaping temptation. And, and here's why. Look at what it says in James 1.14. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. See, temptation is present wherever we are, because, because it's on the inside. It's, it's not about what's on the outside. Now, the outside things can, can influence the inside, right? But it's, it's our own desires. It's inside of you. 
It doesn't matter if you live in Las Vegas or you live in the woods by yourself. You're, you're going to be tempted. The temptation is right there with you. Here's the fourth one. Fourth truth is don't blame God. Don't blame God. James 1.13 says this, When tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. See, over the years, I've heard a lot of people say, if God hadn't given me these desires, or, or I'm just acting out on what God has, has given me, right? If God, if God wanted me, I'm just acting out on it. Or, or maybe if she wasn't such a babe, right? It's not my fault. And we try to deflect and we try to blame. And sometimes we try to blame God. But what this verse says is that evil cannot tempt God and God does not tempt anyone. So don't blame God. God's not tempting you. For some of us, that may be, that may be the one thing that we just needed to hear today and just hold on to. Right? Because sometimes I wonder, God, why, why does God keep tempting me? No, 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 no. God's not tempting you. God doesn't tempt you. Now, he will use those temptations in your life to produce good things. He, he will. But God's not the source of temptation. Here's the fifth one. Fifth truth is this. Believe that temptation produces character. James 1, uh, verse 2, and, and I love the message. I know we don't use it a lot, but I, I just love how, how it kind of uh, describes these couple of verses. It says this, Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Now, if I was to stop right there, you'd be like, that's a little insane, right? Uh, if tests and challenges, and I think we could put temptation into that category as well, if, if that's a gift, I don't want that gift, right? No thanks, like return to sender. You can keep that one. I, I want nothing to do with that. But look what it says next. It says that you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. So I hear people say this all the time too. Why doesn't God just remove all of the temptations from us? Especially for us that, that are Christians, right? If we're a follower of Jesus, if I've given my life to Christ, why doesn't he just remove all of those temptations from me? I wouldn't have to wrestle with it anymore. He allows it because he wants to grow us. Look at how this verse ends. Let it do, it, let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Mature, well-developed, not deficient in any way. See, maybe the, the next time you face frustration or you face temptation and, and you're frustrated by it, like, why am I always facing this temptation? What if we looked at it differently? What if we looked at it in, in the face of that temptation and said, no, God's producing my character. I can say no to that because, God, you're, you're trying to produce my character. I don't have to buy that thing because, God, you're, you're trying to grow me. I, I don't need to give in to that anymore because, God, you want to make me more like you. I get it, right? You're, you're trying to produce my character in this. These aren't, these aren't my words. It's not Donnie's words. These, these are, are God's words. These are God's promises to us that he is trying to develop our character and our honesty and our, our kindness, our, our patience in the face of the temptations that we face. So, so what do we do with this, right? Because for most of us, we're like, I, I get it. I get the temptation's not good, right? I, I understand I'm not alone in this, that, that God isn't the one who's tempting me, that, that through this, he wants to develop my character. But, but how do I handle it? How, how do we develop a plan to deal with temptation in our lives? If you've got your Bible, I would love for you to turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter 39. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. You can uh, follow along on the side screens or uh, you can download the app and we've got all of the passages and the, and the notes in there as well. Um, Genesis 39 is, a, is the very first book. And so uh, if you're new to the Bible, just go to the left, open it up and then just kind of work your way in about 39 chapters in there and, uh, and you'll find it. Now let me just give you a little bit of background while, while some of you are turning there. 
Um, we're gonna we're about a handful of generations into creation, and we're gonna talk about a guy named Joseph. Now, you may have heard of Joseph. Joseph had a, a coat of many colors. He had eleven brothers who uh, were jealous of Joseph, so they uh, sold him into slavery. You know, stuff brothers do. And um, but but God had a very special plan for Joseph. And so even in the dysfunctional mess of his life and, and his family, God shows up and God takes very special care of Joseph. And, and, and for some of us, that's, that's something, right? And we just need to hold on and, and have some hope in that, that in the dysfunctional mess of my family, maybe, maybe God has a special plan for my life. He does. But we're going to take a look at, at part of Joseph's story. We're going to pull out some observations from it of how he handles temptation in his life, and it's going to help us develop a plan for how we handle temptation in our life. <clears throat> Genesis 39, beginning verse 1, it says this. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph, so he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in his house and, and in his field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you. Because you are his wife. Now, let's just stop there for a second. Right here, Here's observation number one. Joseph communicated his position. He, he communicated his position. Now, God has shown up in his life, right? He's made him successful in, in everything that he's done. And, and even Potiphar now is benefiting from God's blessing in Joseph's life. Now, a little side note here just for a second. This is why it's so important for us to put Jesus first in our lives, for, for us to put God first, right? We talk about living obediently here as a church. It's on signs that are at all of our campuses, right? It's, it's one of those things. This is so important. Because not only will God use it in your life, right? When you live obediently, not only will God bless you and do incredible things, but he's going to use that blessing in your life to actually impact the lives of other people as well. Especially those who don't know him, right? And so even when you think, it probably doesn't matter, right? I think I could take a shortcut here on this one. No one's going to notice if I don't quite go all the way with it. It absolutely matters. It matters to God. And any time that we're disobedient, it interrupts what he wants to do in our lives and through us in the lives of other people. All right, back, back to the story. So it says that Joseph is a well-built, handsome dude, that he is, he's obviously kept his New Year's resolution, right? He got his gym membership, and he's actually still going. Uh, he apparently is not tempted by chocolate-glazed donuts, and uh, scholars believe that he looks something like this. Very good-looking man, right? Very good-looking, just like the Bible said. Uh, and so, uh, as a result, right, Potiphar's wife, uh, she has taken notice of Joseph, and she begins to put the moves on. Now, this may be the first cougar in the Bible. Uh, I'm not sure you can, you can look that up, too. But, um, but lo I love how Joseph responds, right? He clearly tells her what his position is. He goes, oh, time out, time out, time out. 
This isn't happening, right? I just want to make sure we're all clear. Potiphar, my boss, your husband, he's given me access to everything here in the house except for one thing, you, right? And so thanks, but no thanks. So we're, we're not doing this. And, and my guess, and I don't have proof of this, but my guess is that that Joseph didn't only share it with her, but I, my guess is Joseph shared it with others as well. The other servants that were there overheard that. There were people around that Joseph told this to. And, and he didn't do it to embarrass her, but just to make sure that everyone was clear where he stood, what his standards were. Now look at, at what he said next, because this is the reason why he could communicate his position so clearly. Verse 9, it says this. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Here's observation number two. Joseph knew, he knew his bottom line, right? This is, this is a huge deal, right? I don't know if you caught it. I don't know if you saw Joseph's perspective in this, but, but he clearly knew what was most important to him. See, for Joseph, this, this whole deal, right, of, of having an affair and whatever else, it wasn't, it wasn't just a moral thing. I'm sure that was part of it for Joseph. It wasn't just about what he wanted. It wasn't an attraction thing. I'm, I'm sure Potiphar's wife was, was very attractive, right? It's not about that. It's not about what other people would think. Imagine the gossip and the stories. If we go ahead with this, I don't know if we should. It wasn't about that. It's not even about what would happen if we got caught. What are the consequences? What are the ramifications? What happens if, if, if we get caught doing this? It wasn't about those things for Joseph. It was all about what would honor God. What would this do to God? It, it would break his heart, right? It, it, it would dishonor him. It, it would hurt my relationship with my father. You see, Joseph's priority is, is how can I do this against God? He valued honoring God above everything else in his life. You see, when, when God is in the right place, when God is first in our lives, when he's the greatest priority, it creates this very clear filtering system for us. I won't do anything that's going to hurt him. You see, it's so important because this is your why. If you don't have a why in trying to face temptation, you're never going to be able to resist temptation. You've got to have a why. Why do I need to say no to this? Why is that thing that's more important to you than, the, than that moment of satisfaction in giving in? For Joseph, and, and what it should be for us, is that I, I will not hurt God. Right? And in fact, I know that it says that I'm supposed to love God with all my heart and all my soul, all my mind, all, all my strength. And then I'm supposed to love others and I love myself. If, if I honor my relationship with God, if I always do what's right in God's eyes, then I'm never going to hurt my family. I'm never going to give in to a temptation that's going to impact my friendships. I'm not going to do something that, that's going to impact my relationship with my neighbors or my coworkers or, or students that, that sit in the class with me. I'm never going to do something that's going to wreck my future. I'm never going to compromise and damage my family. It's my greatest priority. Everything else becomes very clear in terms of how we handle it. The question is, is this, do you, do you see God that way? It assumes a couple things. It assumes that God is watching. It assumes that God cares about these things in your life. It assumes that God prioritizes a relationship with you. And I think some of us, as we sit here today, if you were honest, we'd say, I, I, don't, I don't know if God really cares that much about me. My answer to you would be, uh, Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection is God's answer to that, right? It is a, an, an all-cap, all-bold, yes, I care about you. I couldn't care more about you. I gave you my very best through my son, Jesus. Verse 10. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her. Observation number three, Joseph stuck to his convictions. 
You need to accept that you have the power to say no. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. This is, this is a biggie, right? You need to believe that you have the power to say no. Some of you, I, I, I've heard you, I've had conversations with some of you, I just can't say no. I want to say no. I want to resist. But, but when that temptation hits, right, it, it's so strong. It's got such a, a grip. I've failed for so long. I, I just lose all control. And I just can't ever seem to say no. I, I remember a parent in our, in our ministry come to us once and, and whose daughter was addicted to smoking pot, smoked pot every single day. And I remember the mom said, I, I just don't think she can say no because her dad couldn't say no. See, it's not a generational thing. It's not even a, a willpower thing. All of us have the power to say no. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. It's not easy. Right? If it was easy, it wouldn't be a temptation, right? And the fact that it's tempting to you means it's going to be hard to say no. Nobody's going to lie to you about that part of it. But we absolutely have the power to say no. And, and look at this. This part of the verse, God is faithful. See, this is the source of, of your strength to say no to temptation. This is where you get the power to resist whatever it is that, that, that's trying to draw you in and draw you away. It's that God is always faithful. God is always faithful. And so you can trust Him. There's never a temptation where He took a break, right? Where, where He's not paying attention, where He's not there to help you. God is always faithful. And, and what does it mean that God is faithful? Look at the rest of that promise. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. God will never allow anything. He doesn't tempt us, but he'll never allow anything in our lives that's greater than his ability to help us through. See, for some of us, we just need to memorize that. Because when you're in the face of temptation, right, you can face it by saying, no, no, hold on, hold on, God's faithful. And, and he promised that he would never, this temptation isn't more than I, can, than I can stand. No, God is faithful. I don't need to do that, right? I, I can say no to that. No, God is faithful, and I believe that God is bigger than the power of that temptation right now, so I choose to say no. Laura and I were driving the other, uh, the other day. We were, we were uh, in the car. She was driving, and I, I was uh, the car DJ. And so she said, I got, I got to choose music. And so, um, so I was just going through some stuff, and, and I pulled up a song that we hadn't heard in probably 20-plus years, right, since high school. And I uh, uh, started playing the song, and both of us, right, we start singing, like, right away and, and whatever else. And, and, and I'm going to back the bus, like, right over my wife right now. But she turned to me. She turned to me, and she goes, why can't I memorize Scripture the same way that I can remember the words to a song that I haven't sung in 20 years? We just don't, right? We just choose not to make it an emphasis in our lives, but we absolutely have the ability to do it. Look at the rest of verse 10, these last five words. Or even be with her. Observation number four. Joseph avoided compromising situations. These are five very powerful words. See, he told her what his stance was. He he told her no multiple times. Day after day, he said no, 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 no. Joseph was... What he shows us here is that he was wise, right? Because he removed himself from compromising situations. Let me give you an an example. Uh, We have a a teenager, uh, Ty's 15, and uh, as a normal teenager, he can eat whatever he wants, right? He he would 
two boxes of mac and cheese, no problem. An entire pizza, yeah, whatever, right? A box of Krispy Kreme donuts doesn't even break a sweat, right? I, I drive by the, the hot now sign, right? And I put on like three pounds, right? It's just, it, it's not right. When I was like 32, I woke up one morning and my metabolism was like, oh, heck no, we're not doing this anymore, right? Like, I'm done, right? Like, you, you can't eat like the way that you used to eat anymore. And so Laura's changed my eating habits and she rarely buys bad food anymore. That's why Ty loves going to other people's houses all the time, right? Because he, he comes home, he's like, Dad, they have marshmallows in their cereal. I'm like, oh, did you bring me some? Right? Like, hook a brother up, right? Like, just put them in my pocket or, or something. And so, so one day, Laura brings home a bag of peanut M&Ms, right? And that is my kryptonite. I know that last verse says there's no temptation that we can't stand under, but in the Greek, there's actually a little clause that it says, except peanut M&Ms, right? And it's right in there. You just have to know the languages, but, but, but it's there. And so she brings this bag home, and this wasn't just like an ordinary bag. This was like the Costco bag with like the pull-out handle and wheels so you can wheel it around with you, right? It's like a whole arm, like, curl workout, right, with this, this massive bag. And so I open up the cupboard, and, and there it is. It's in the cupboard, and I swear that moment that, that a sunbeam broke through a cloud and shone on it as angel choirs went, oh, right, as I'm looking at this thing. And I slammed the door shut, and I'm like, no, right? No, I'm not going to do it. And I went and I sat on the couch, and I said, get behind me, M&Ms, right? Like, like I'm not going to do this. Next thing you know, my, ma- my mind is in fantasy land. I'm seeing, like, red and green and yellow and blue and melts in your mouth but not in your hands what kind of voodoo is that right like this is just incredible and so my mind i just go crazy i'm like i just need to check and see if they're still there right as if like poof they had magically literally happened right and so i went and i opened the 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 door and and they're there the bag wasn't opened yet right so i I realize that now now i always want to model servanthood to my family and, and i wanted to help them so I opened the bag for them, right? And as I, as I stood there with M&Ms like trickling through my fingers, right? The next thing I know, 20 minutes later, Laura finds me on the couch. 60% of the bag is gone, right? <laughs> now don't judge me because I know you got your own stuff, right? We, we got our, our issues. Here's the point. If you struggle with alcohol, remove it from your presence. If there's something in your life, if you're struggling with spending too much time online or looking at websites that you shouldn't look at, then get that accountability software. Get that computer out of your bedroom. Limit your usage of of your Wi-Fi and your Internet. If you struggle with something, avoid it. Here's the uh, verse 11. I, I love this. It says this. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by the cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and he ran out of the house. Observation number five, Joseph ran from sin. Even though he put God first, he knew what his bottom line was. He clearly communicated to her what what his position was. He stuck to his convictions over and over again. He avoided compromising situations. See, the the problem with temptation is that sometimes it, it still gets through, even when you have all those safety barriers in place. Potiphar's wife is very persistent. My guess is that she doesn't hear no very often, maybe ever. And so she knew what she wanted, and she grabbed it. And see, here's the deal with temptation. Temptation doesn't play by the rules. And so look at Joseph's response. He, he ran. I'll leave my shirt, but I'm not going to leave my dignity, my honor, my purity, right? my, my reputation. And so he ran. That, that's not weakness. Right? That, that's not cowardly. That is strength. That is faith. That is trust. That no matter what happens from this moment on, I can trust that I, I have peace in the decision that I made. And I can trust that God is going to show up, that God is going to honor the fact that I did the right thing. Now, I'd love to tell you that as a result, that God made his life perfect, and he's either were 
no consequences. In fact, Potiphar so appreciated the way that Joseph treated his wife that he rewarded him richly, but you know that that's not usually how the story ends. Verse 13 says that when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. And then she told him this story. The Hebrew slave you brought us came to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. I know some of you are thinking right now, you're going, Brian, what's the point? He put God first. He had a great plan. He did the right thing. And yet it seems like Joseph's life actually got worse. We, we don't have time to read the rest of, of the story. Joseph's life, it, it, it isn't easy. He, he doesn't have, he's not rewarded by his peers for his bold stance. He isn't invited back into Potiphar's house. But if you read the rest of the story, and I, and I can't encourage you more strongly to, to do that this week, what you're going to see is that God never leaves Joseph. That God never forgets Joseph. That God honors and uses Joseph in even greater ways through the rest of his life. So here's the bottom line to this. Temptation produces chaos or character. When we say yes, there's pleasure, right? It feels good. When we say yes to temptation, whatever it is, there's immediate pleasure. But what happens is that, that following that pleasure comes problems. There's always problems. There's always consequences. There's always stuff. And then it ends up in pain. Right? That's what happens. When, when we say yes to temptation, temptation produces chaos. But when we say no, it always starts with pain. It's always hard to say no. Sometimes there's consequences to saying no to temptation. But that pain brings with it peace. Because that peace is that, that I know that I did the right thing. I, I know that I honor God with, my, with that decision to resist, to say no to that thing that was tempting me. And what always ends up following that peace is pleasure. Long-term pleasure. It doesn't mean that our lives are going to be perfect or easy just like Joseph's, but God never leaves us. God never forgets us, and God will always honor our obedience. He promises to do that. See, temptation produces chaos, or it produces character, depending on how we choose to respond. Let me take one minute right now and, and just help you put your plan together for this week. Here's, here's five things. The first is this, uh, from the life of Joseph. Know your bottom line. So you need to set your goal. You need to prioritize what matters most, and I would say it needs to be honoring God first in your life. When you put God first, everything else will fall into place. I'm not going to say yes to a temptation that's going to hurt my family because that would, it would dishonor God and it would hurt my family. I'm not going to say yes to something that's going to tarnish my reputation, that's going to damage my character, that's going to influence or, or change the direction of my future. And so we need to know what our bottom line is. Second thing you need to do is you need to share it with others. Who are you going to share this struggle with? Who are you going to share your plan with? 
That's why we talked about last week the importance of being in a small group. And we had a group connect last weekend where you could, if you're not connected to a small group, get connected. And if you're not yet, you're going to hear about it in just a second from Darrell. You're going to hear how you can get connected to a small group, how you can have a group of people around you. Now, you've got to be honest. You've got to share it with them. But when you do, they can hold you accountable. They can help you. And you can do the exact same for them. If you're a guy in here, we are launching our men's ministry, and I'm so excited about this. Uh, right here at the Raleigh campus, and, and next Monday, the 13th, we're going to be starting up uh, four different classes that are part of our, our men's ministry here. And one of those classes is on temptation. We all struggle with it. Sign up. Be a part of that. And, and get around a, a group of guys that you can share those struggles with and that you guys can hold each other accountable. you got to share it. Here's the third thing. Stick to it. Don't try to win it all in the first day, right? Just go for those small victories, right? And for, for many of us, the things that are, are gripping our lives, we, they've been there for years. You're not just going to automatically... Now, God can. God can show up, and He can release those things, and, and He does that sometimes, and it's amazing. But for a lot of those things, it's just it's the small victories, just day after day after day. And when you make a mistake, and you will make a mistake, don't quit, right? When you slip up, don't quit. Just get back up. That's why it's important to have people around you brush the dust off and just keep going. Fourth one is this. Avoid compromising situations. For some of us, we need to clean house. We need to drive a different way to work. We need to get the computer out of our room. You, you just need to avoid those situations. And the last one is that, that if those safeguards don't work and temptation still shows up at your door and it will, that you run away. Now, this one's extreme, right? It could be as extreme as, as quitting your job. It could be as extreme as I just need to move. It could be as extreme as canceling the internet completely. It could be as extreme as, as finally admitting that I need to get help, that I need to join a, a program, that I need to talk to somebody. This is that I will do whatever it takes step. Because I'm not going to dishonor God. I'm not going to damage my relationship with Him. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.2 says this, Run away from infantile indulgence. Run after mature righteousness, faith, love, peace, joining those who are in honest and serious prayer before God. Imagine the difference. Imagine in your life, right, if you could begin to resist temptation more and more and more consistently in your life. Imagine the impact it would have on your family. Imagine the impact on your finances. Imagine the impact on your relationship with God. But I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are right here right now, and you're going, I think it's too late for me. I've failed so many times. I don't think I can stop this cycle. Well, I want you to know two things. One is it's not too late for you. And the second is this. You need to come back next week because Mike is going to talk about failure. And as we talked about this series, we said, you know what? We're going to be telling people, hey, you can resist these things. But, but there's a lot of us that feel like it's just too late for me. It's not too late. So come back next week and find out when it feels like your life has fallen apart and there are shattered pieces all over the place that God can pick those back up and he can restore and he can turn something beautiful out of what you feel like you've damaged to a point of no return. It starts by saying no to those temptations and stopping that cycle, but God can restore and heal and forgive and do incredible things. Come back next week and hear about how God can do that in your life. Please join me as we pray. Just with our eyes closed, our heads bowed, we may be struggling in an area. It's just been bothering you for years. What's your weakness? What's your, your temptation? And just in the quiet of your heart, will you just say, Lord, you know what it is. I've got a tendency to fill in the blank. There's something in my life that's just out of control. I keep failing. I keep falling in this same area, and, and I feel bad about it. Just confess it to him. He knows you. He loves you. He's not going to condemn you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to wipe the slate clean. 
want to start over today. That's just why he brought you here. Your heart just say, God, I want to be realistic about this. It's a problem in my life. Admit it to him. Accept responsibility. Don't blame your parents or your spouse or your boss or anybody else. Say, God, will you help me to refocus on you? To fill my mind with the good things, the true things, the, the right things. Not to resist my feelings, but to replace them with what you have to say. Most of all, if you've never opened up your heart to the Lord, would you do that today? All you have to do is just simply say, Jesus Christ, I want to be forgiven. I want a fresh start on life. Would you forgive all the sins I've ever committed and help me to start over today? He will. That's why he died on the cross for you. Would Jesus Christ come in and be the manager and controller of my life? Lord, you promised to make a way out of these temptations. Give me the strength. Help me to quit compromising. Help me to do your will. Lord, I want to thank you for those today that prayed this prayer, opening their heart for the very, very first time, saying that they want you in their life. Father, would you help us as a church to become more like you? We love you. We pray in your name we pray. Amen.